All right, welcome in to another special edition of What's Right with Nick Wright, the podcast and YouTube show, our countdown of the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years. Now, players 15 through 10, where we're really talking about the true top-tier pantheon greats, where we talk Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Durant, Giannis, the two best guys on arguably the greatest team ever, Moses and Dr. J, who teamed up on the 83 Sixers, and of course, Steph Curry. Those rankings were a little difficult because three of those six guys still active players. Hell, when we recorded the Steph Curry segment, his season was still going on. Giannis, what would have happened had he won the title this year? Durant, how much was his ranking affected? By them losing in round one this year, spoiler alert, his ranking wasn't actually negatively affected, but it could have obviously been positively affected had they gone on to make the finals or win the title. These two guys we get to today, as we are now into the top nine, have been long retired. However, one of them, I'm sure all of you have a litany of fond memories of, and the other, I think, you're going to hear his name be like, I always hear about what a great player he is, and I'm sure you watched him win his titles. But I don't think anybody, I shouldn't say anybody, I think most of you will be shocked by the jaw-dropping numbers. These two guys, nine and eight, spoiler alert, they're both centers, and if you know it's the 50 greatest players the last 50 years, you probably know who they are now. Their playoff dominance has almost been undersold, even if you know they were dominant. So let's get right into the list. We are down to only two people per episode. Eventually, we'll get to one person per episode. But number nine on the list is Shaquille O'Neal. Number nine, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal will go over the resume quickly, and then we'll get to the playoff stuff, and then we'll have a long discussion. Eight-time first-team All-NBA. Two-time second-team All-NBA, four-time third-team All-NBA. That is 14 All-NBA teams tied for the fifth most ever. He only won one MVP, which is insanity, but eight times he finished in the top five. He's a two-time scoring champion. He's three-time All-Defense. He is eighth all-time in blocks. He is eighth all-time in points over his 10-year prime. He averaged 28 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, three blocks. In year two, at age 21 years old, fresh out of LSU, he was 29 and 13. That good in year two. He also was the guy who allowed me, kind of set the precedent for me including Luka in my 50 of the last 50 because he was included on the NBA's 50-year anniversary team, even though he'd only been in the league five years. Before I get into the playoff stuff, I want to say something about Shaq. I think you could argue, in fact, I would argue, under these parameters, he would be considered the greatest player ever. If the question is, you can have any player in NBA history for one game at his apex peak of his powers, Who are you choosing? My answer is Shaquille O'Neal. Because as great as Jordan was, as great as Kareem was, as great as LeBron was, even at their apex peak, they might have an off night. 
It's unlikely, but they might have an off night. As I will prove to you, during Shaquille O'Neal's true apex peak, he never had an off night when he cared. Ever. He had a three-year run of not only zero bad finals games, but 15 for 15 on outstanding kick-your-teeth-in finals games. But that's that's not the only reason he's ninth on the list, but it's one hell of a start. Okay. So let's get to the playoffs. He's a four-time champion. He has three finals MVPs. He has six finals appearances. And he was the unquestioned best player on five of those six finalists. I would argue he was the best player on the sixth finalist, the the 06 Heat, during the regular season. But in the playoff run, obviously, D. Wade was the best player. And in fact, here's a shocking stat. Antoine Walker was the second leading scorer during the finals on those Miami Heat teams. Shaq was third leading scorer, but we'll get we'll spend more time on that once we get to that year of his career. So let's just go and this is going to be how we do it. I need to take a sip of this coffee because this there are going to be a lot of numbers here. I understand for podcast listeners, even for the YouTube viewers, it can be a lot to process, but I know sometimes you listen to podcasts on one and a half speed you might want to even slow this down because we're giving you a lot of numbers, but they are all jaw-dropping. 1994, his first playoff game ever. 24 points, 19 rebounds, three assists, two steals, five blocks. That is his first playoff game of his career. (laughs) The very next year, the series we pretend didn't happen. Hey, raise your hand. If you were the best player on a team that beat Michael Jordan in a playoff series during Jordan's prime, you know who gets to raise his hand? Shaquille O'Neal, and that's it. 1995 against the Bulls. Averages 24 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks. To get to the finals in the next round, in the conference finals, averages 27 and 10, including two different games with at least 35 points and 10 rebounds. In the finals against the greatest defensive player of the last 50 years, Akeem Olajuwon. He's in his third year. He's in the finals against Akeem. 28 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, six assists per game on 60% shooting. But they got swept. Nick Anderson misses the four free throws, and the Shaq getting swept was going to be a theme. But when I tell you 28, 13, and six on 60% shooting, in the finals. Now keep this in mind. That will be the worst finals performance we see from Shaq over the next decade. 1996, the very next year, starts the playoffs or starts round two off with a 41-13 and six. Gets to the Eastern Conference Finals against those 72 win Bulls, but the Bulls then sweep. So now he got swept by Akeem and got swept by Michael. How did Shaq do when he got swept? Uh, Just a humble 27 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, two steals, two blocks. That was his average while getting swept. One of the reasons he left. Like, okay, I give you 27, 11, 4, 2, and 2, and I get my ass swept out of the playoffs. Maybe I need to leave. Goes to L.A. First playoff game with the Lakers, 46 and 11. And then they play Utah in round two, loses to Utah, averages for the playoffs 27, 11, and 3. 1998. In his first Western Conference Finals, 
averages for the playoff run in 1998. Not for a series, not for the entire playoff run in 1998. Shaquille O'Neal averages 31 points, 11 rebounds, three assists, three blocks on 61% shooting. In his first Western Conference Finals, he has a 39 and 15, followed by a 38 and 7. Lost both those games because he got swept again. So this is young Kobe. Kobe has the air balls. He's not ready. Shaq, again, on Carl Malone and the defending Western Conference champion Jazz, hangs a 39 and 15, followed by a 38 and 7, loses them both. And now it's like, oh boy. Like Shaq sure gets swept a lot. The next year, 1999 for the playoffs. Averages 27 and 12. But guess what happens to him in round two? Guy named Tim Duncan is in the league now. He sweeps him. So now Shaq's swept again. And people are like, oh boy, as great as Shaq is, and as great as the numbers are, isn't it weird he keeps getting swept? So how does Shaquille O'Neal respond? He responds with what I believe to be the most dominant three-year stretch of any player in league history. More dominant than anything Kareem, Michael, LeBron, Magic, anyone ever did. So this is, this go, we're, you know, pull up a chair, boys and girls. We're going to need a minute to talk about these three years because these are the, again, this is, well, I'll just, the numbers will prove it to you. 2,000 for the playoffs averages 31 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, two blocks. One of the most dominant start-to-finish playoff runs ever. But it's not even his best. His best will come next year. He started the playoffs off with a 46.17 rebound, five-block game. The first three games of round two, 37 and 14, 38 and 20, 37 and 17. He starts off round three with 41 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, five blocks. And then... That's, that was the series against Portland. They're up 3-1. They lose game five. They lose game six. They're down 15 in the fourth in game seven. And then the iconic Kobe to Shaq dunk to get them in the finals. And then in the finals. And each game of these finals deserves massive recognition, okay? In the finals, game one, 43 points, 19 rebounds. Game two, 40 points, 24 rebounds. That was the game Hack-A-Shack was kind of invented. He, he shot 39 free throws that game. He missed 21 of them. So he missed 21 free throws, still out of 40 and 24. Game three, <clears throat> excuse me, 33 and 13. Game four, 36 and 21. Game five, 35 and 11. Game six, 41 and 12. That's Six games to win his first ring. His worst game was 33-13. and 13. Like I said, not his best playoff run, not his best finals. Then next year, you could argue there's the greatest team of all time, the 0-1 Lakers. They lost one playoff game the entire time. Kobe was ascending and Shaq was, well, unstoppable. For the playoff run, 30 points, 15 rebounds, 55% shooting. Sweeps Portland in round one. Starts off a sweep of Sacramento with 44 and 21 followed by 43 and 20 back to back 40 and 20s to say Sacramento nice try next year you'll have a real chance not this year they sweep now he gets revenge he sweeps the Spurs in round 3 and then 
their one loss of the finals, the one loss of the playoffs, game one, the famous Allen Iverson step-over game, Shaquille O'Neal in that game, 44 points, 20 rebounds, five assists. 44, 20, and five. Game two, this is the forgotten near quadruple double. We talk about Tim Duncan almost having a quadruple double quite a bit. Game two, he has 28 points, 20 rebounds, nine assists, eight blocks. 28, 20, nine, and eight to even up the series. Averaged for the series, 33, 16, and five on 57%, 45 minutes per game. And here's the other thing. Everyone says, oh, well, that Sixers team didn't have enough talent. That Sixers team didn't have offensive talent. But you know who they did have playing center? The defensive player of the year, Dikembe Mutombo. So Shaquille O'Neal in the finals to win a second ring against the defensive player of the year. Averages 33-16-5 on on 57%. The next year, okay, now they're facing real adversity. Kobe and Shaq are starting to fray. They've won back-to-back titles. You know, the only three-peat is Jordan. He's the only guy to do it. Did it twice. Well, the only three-peat post, you know, in the modern era. Down 3-2 to Sacramento. In the historic and questionably officiated game six, he hung a 41-17 and on them, including... 13 of 17 at the free throw line. Game seven, he hangs a 35 and 13 on them in a win in overtime, including 11 of 15 from the free throw line. So when Shaq says I made them when I counted, during their three championship years with the Lakers, they faced, they only truly faced adversity in one series. Well, two series, the Portland series, the first year, and then this series. But facing elimination, game six and seven, He is a combined from the free throw line, 24 of 32. That's 75%. Okay? In the finals, averages 36 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, three blocks. The games were as follows. 36 and 16, 40, 12, and 8, 35 and 11, 34 and 10. So those three years from 2000 to 2002, Shaquille O'Neal in the finals. 15 finals games, 12 and three overall record, averaging 36 points, 15 rebounds, four assists, three blocks on 60% shooting. Nobody can argue anyone's ever been more dominant in the biggest moment than Shaq during those three years. And then we can be quick the rest of the way. In 2003, as the three-time defending champ, throws up a 29-15-4-3 against Kevin Garnett in round one, inclu- and or no, averages, pardon me, averages 29-15-4-3 against Kevin Garnett in round one, including when they were down 2-1 in that series, throws up a 34-point, 23-rebound, six-assist game. In the... They, they end up losing to the Spurs who go on to win the title. He averages 25-14-4. The next year, they're back in the finals. Everyone on that team struggled, except for Shaq, who once again had to deal with the defensive player of the year. This one in Ben Wallace. How'd he do? 27 points, 11 rebounds per game on 63% shooting. He had a 34-11 and and a 36-20. and They lost both of those. 2005, he goes to Miami. They instantly get to the conference finals, but they lose to Detroit in seven. And in 2006, he really, he had a couple great playoff moments with the Heat that year. He had a 30-point, 20-rebound, 
five assist game to beat Chicago in round one and to get to the finals, to get that Heat team to the finals. This was his last really great playoff game. 28 points, 16 rebounds, five blocks on 12 of 14 shooting to clinch a finals appearance. And then in the finals, he wasn't great. D-Wade was, and that's kind of the end of it. So how does the all-time playoff resume look? 12 career 40-point playoff games. That's eighth all-time. 55 career 30-point playoff games. That's eighth all-time. 49 career 30-10 and 10 playoff games. That's fourth all-time. 12 career 40-10 and 10 playoff games. That's third all-time. 25 career playoff games with a game score. That's basketball references catch-all metric of at least 30. The only people with more are LeBron and Mike, or LeBron and Michael. He's fifth all-time in playoff points. He's fourth all-time in playoff rebounds. He's fourth all-time in playoff box. He's fifth all-time in finals points per game at 28.3. His career playoff average over 216 games, which is two and a half full seasons of playoff basketball, is 24 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, two blocks. That's Shaquille O'Neal. That's how you become one of the nine greatest players ever. We have a Shaquille O'Neal caller. Let's get to him. Question about Shaq. One for 22 in his career from behind the arc. If Shaq played now, do you think he would bomb threes? He would not bomb threes. And Wilds, who is my beloved colleague and co-worker, found a way to almost put a damper on what was just a brilliant 15 minutes of Shaquille O'Neal love. With a, <laughs> He would need to bomb threes, just like Kevin Durant's asking him, how he would guard the pick and roll. And Shaq correctly said, here's the thing. You would not be able to guard me. <laughs> there is no era in which Shaq would not be utterly dominant. He, he did it uh, against anyone and everyone. The defensive player of the year doesn't matter. At his peak, no one could hold him under 35 and 15 a game. Ninth best player of the last 50 years, Shaquille O'Neal. The eighth best player of the last 50 years is a guy who beat Shaquille O'Neal in one of those finals. You know who he is. We discuss him next. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of that. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life. From gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform it's designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com right to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot right. Your mental health journey begins here. All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright? 50 greatest players of the last 50 years. Very fun little surprise for you after we do player number eight at the end of this episode. 
which is, well, I don't want to spoil it. You'll be able to, it's worth, it's worth, even if you're not interested in player number eight, which you should be, it's almost worth skipping ahead to hear that. But don't do that. Listen to player number eight, which is, we just did Shaq at number nine. And while you're going through Shaq at number nine, your tendency is, Jesus, should he be higher? Like I, I gave all those arguments, should he be higher? And a lot of people have him ahead of the person I have at number eight. I do not, and I will explain why. Number eight on the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years. Number eight, Hakeem Olajuwon. So let's go through the resume here quickly. Six-time first-team All-NBA, three-time second-team All-NBA, three-time third-team All-NBA at a time when All-NBA first-team center was a hell of a hard thing to get. You had David Robinson, you had Patrick Ewing, you had, at the beginning of his career, you had late-stage Kareem. At the end of his career, you had early-stage Shaq. So those first-team All-NBA center spots were almost impossible. He won the MVP once. He was top five in the MVP six times. He was top seven ten times. He's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. More on that in a moment. He's nine-time All-Defense. He has... He is in my opinion, and I think it's inarguable, the best defensive player on this list. The only person who you could argue is a better defender all time is Bill Russell, and that's it's it's so different of a game back then. But in the last 50 years, he's the greatest defensive player. And I think because of that, he's become an underrated offensive player. We'll explain why. But He's 12th all-time in points. He's ninth all-time in steals. No other center is in the top 60. So all-time steals, he's ninth. No other center is in the top 60. That is an interesting stat. It's unbelievable. He has the most blocks ever by 600. He has, I think, 3,800 blocks. Second most is 3,200. So think about that. The guy who's in second place on the all-time blocks list, would need to have four more seasons of two blocks a game to catch a king. Impossible. So he's the greatest defensive player. Second on the all-time blocks list. Oh, gosh, I should know that off the top of my head, but I don't. So let's find out together. We will find out together in real time. I did Kimbe Mutombo. Yeah. Dikembe Mutombo, who, by the way, Defensive Player of the Year, who Shaq annihilated in the 0-1 finals we were talking about. Mutombo's at 3,200. Akeem's at 3,800. So now let's get into Akeem's playoff resume because everyone remembers the two rings. I don't think they quite remember who he went through for those two rings, but they certainly don't remember the fact that I think most people don't know Akeem went to the finals before 1994. So we'll get into it. 1985. He is a rookie. They are in game five of round one against Utah. Keep in mind this is when round one is best of five. So it's, you know, do or die game. As a rookie in his first elimination game, 32 points, 14 rebounds, six blocks, but they lose. He's a rookie. At that point in time, nobody was questioning the Akeem over Michael Jordan draft pick. Nobody. Akeem was the no doubt guy. 1986, year two, second year, or obviously in his second year, he's in the finals. He started the playoffs off 
with 29 points, 15 rebounds, four blocks. He started round two off with 38 points, 16 rebounds, four assists, six steals, five blocks. Almost had a five-by-five game in the playoffs in his second year to go along with 38 points. One assist shy of one of the only five-by-five games. That's where that's so much more important than a triple-double. That's where you have at least five of every category. And he would have done it with 38 points. Averaged for that round two series. Averaged. 29 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, two steals, four blocks. Can you imagine a dude averaging four blocks for a series today? <laughs> okay. To go up 2-1 on the defending champion Lakers who had Kareem and Magic and Worthy to go up 2-1 on them. He put up 40 and 12. Average for the series, 31-11 with four blocks, and outplayed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's in his second year. In his first finals game ever against the 86 Celtics, the team that I don't argue, but some people argue is the single greatest team ever. He had 33 points, 12 rebounds. Facing elimination, down 3-1 in game five against what some people would argue is the greatest team ever. 32 points, 14 rebounds, and eight blocks to keep his season alive. Average 24, 12, and th- with three blocks for the series, again, against... So he beats the defending champion Lakers in Kareem and Magic and then loses in six to the 86 Celtics. 1987, in round one, almost... I, well. I'll just tell you what he averages for round one. This is, and some of this Akeem stuff, it's just so consistently just outstanding across the board that I just have to give you series averages instead of individual games because he didn't have a ton of the Shaq explosion 45-point games. It was just for a series, like in round one, he averages 29, 27 points, nine rebounds, four assists, three steals, five blocks. Dude, average. Three steals and five blocks. Eight stocks per game in a playoff series. Round two against Seattle in a game they lose in double overtime. He had 49 points, 25 rebounds, and six blocks. And they lost. 1988, round one. Lost. This is, this is one of the most impossible. This is, you could win some money in a bar if you found the right way to phrase this as a tri- trivia question. In round one in 1988, the Rockets lost to the Mavericks three games to one. Despite the fact that Akeem Olajuwon for the series in the four games, and they only won one, averaged 38 points and 17 rebounds. He had a 40 and 15 in a loss with the, in game four to get eliminated. The only game they won, he had 41 points, 25 rebounds. So 1988 to 1992, He never got out of round one. In those playoff years, he averaged 26 points, 14 rebounds, two assists, two steals, four blocks. Never got out of round one. We talk about a guy. This was Akeem once Sampson was done, essentially. Akeem Rockets was LeBron Cavs the first time around. Got to the final super early, was unbelievable, always produced and the team stunk. They couldn't put the right pieces around it. And now LeBron wasn't losing in round one, which is why LeBron's higher on this list. But 26, 14, 2, 2, and 4 over a four-year average in the playoffs 
without ever winning a series. So now, now we get to the meat of Akeem, which is these next three years. 1993, finally gets out of the first round. How does he get out of the first round? He has a 31-point, 21-rebound, 7-block game. For that series, to finally win his first series in five years, he averages 29 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 6 blocks per game. They lose to Seattle in overtime in Game 7 by 3 points when Akeem puts up in that Game 7 23 points, 17 rebounds, 9 assists. So if he was not out of this world, they couldn't win. Right. Luckily for them, over the next two years, he is, in fact, out of this world. And listen to the numbers, and then at the end, listen to who he beats as he goes on to win his two rings and two finals MVPs. 1994, he wins league MVP. He wins defensive player of the year. Michael Jordan has retired, so the whole league knows. So for Barkley, for Ewing, for David Robinson, who hadn't won at that point, for Stockton, for Malone, for Kemp, for Peyton, for Akeem, for all these guys, hey, this should be our chance. So what does Akeem do? Round one against Portland. I, I can't even give you the individual games. I'll give you one of them. But averages for round one, 34 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, two steals, four blocks. He had a game in that series, another this close to five by five game, this one with 46 points. He had a 46, 8, 4, 4, and 6 against the defending Western Conference champions, Phoenix Suns, and Charles Barkley. He averages for the series 29 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks, including in Game 7 against Charles Barkley and the defending Western Conference champion Suns, Game 7, 37 points, 17 rebounds, 5 assists. Utah just knew they were drawing dead. Utah. He throws up a 41-13-6 in game two and demoralizes them. And then in the finals, he holds Patrick Ewing, an all-time great center, to 19 points per game. His team is up two with two seconds left in game six. John Starks, who is the Knicks' second-best player and great three-point shooter for the era, has seemingly an open three to win the title. And Akeem go-go gadgets it and blocks it. And they end up winning the title in game seven. He averages for the finals, 27 points, nine rebounds, four assists, four blocks. First ring, first finals MVP. The next year, this team is the sixth seed. They, they are not that good of a team. They trade for Clyde Drexler midway through the year. They're kind of scuttling. Next year, to start his finals defense, puts up, 45 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks. But they're down 2-1. Again, this is a best of 5. So they're facing elimination in Game 4. He puts up 40. Game 5, do-or-die game, puts up a 33-10 and 10 to advance. He's now 2, so he's won 2 do-or-die games in, that, in his finals defense. Then uh, averages in that series against Utah, against Stockton and Malone, 35-9-4. The next round, they're down 3-1. To Barkley and Phoenix. They're down 3-1 despite the fact that in games three and four, Akeem scored 36 and 38. They win three straight games, three more elimination games. Win game five, six, and seven. Akeem averages 30, 12, and six in those three games. They're now 5-0 in elimination games. 
Then, and this is unbelievable, this you got to look up on YouTube. That year, David Robinson won MVP. And they gave David Robinson the MVP in, on the court like they used to do before the series against Akeem, before one of the games. And Akeem, who's an all-time nice guy, just tortured him. Tortured him for the entire series, scored 40 three times, <laughs> averages 35, 13 rebounds, five assists, four blocks against the MVP of the league. David Robinson, go ahead. How many times you how many go times ahead. you say you won defensive player of the year? Akeem, twice. He won two defensive players of the year, could have won more. Yeah, could have won a hell say, of a it lot. Sounds more. like no, they, but they they spread it around a bit. In the finals, playing a young guy, you may have heard of him, Shaquille O'Neal in the Orlando Magic. He scores at least 31 points in every single game, averages for the finals. 33 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks to sweep out Shaq and win finals MVP. Okay, so here is the totality of it. Again, remember what I said about how Ewing and Shaq and David Robinson and Patrick Ewing and John Stockton and Carl Malone uh, and Charles Barkley, all these guys, when Jordan's gone, they're like, here's our chance. Akeem Olajuwon beat every single one of those guys to win those two rings. In those two championship runs, he averaged 34 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, two steals, three blocks on 53% shooting, and beat, oh, Clyde Drexler too. Beat Clyde Drexler, then Drexler joined him. Beat Barkley twice, beat Stockton Malone twice, beat Patrick Ewing, beat David Robinson, beat Shaquille O'Neal. King of the mountain, beat them all. No easy routes, no easy paths, beat everybody who is most of those guys, except for Drexler, who joined him, and Robinson, who got one later with Tim Duncan and obviously Shaq. Most of those guys finished their careers ringless because Akeem won both of those. In 96, keep in mind, Akeem, we started this story in 1985. So now it's been a decade. And over that decade, from year two to his second ring, he was 29, 12, 3, 2, and 4 on 53%. A 10-year run in the playoffs, winning finals MVP twice, winning two championships, getting the three finals. From year two to his second title, averages in the playoffs. 29 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, two steals, four blocks. And that's the story of Akeem Olajuwon. He's the greatest defensive player I've ever seen, and one could argue the greatest defensive player anyone's ever seen. He's the eighth greatest player of the last 50 years. Let's get to a quick Akeem call. Nick, clearly my time on First Things First with you is beginning to have a positive effect because you're putting Akeem Olajuwon ahead or higher than Shaquille O'Neal is an inspired decision and one that I wholly agree with. But please tell us, why did you do it? Here's why I did it. Sha- Shaq's apex obviously was higher. However, Akeem's sustained excellence to go along with the fact that Shaq was a good and for a brief period of time, great defender. Akeem was the greatest defender. And the fact that they played each other in the finals and Akeem swept them. <laughs> for all those reasons, it is very close 
It is one of the most hotly contested arguments. If you really care about this stuff, Shaq versus Akeem. I I I lean Akeem, and I think I think the overwhelming defensive monstrous performances. Plus, like I said, the guy is considered the greatest defender ever. Yet over a decade of his prime in the playoffs, averaged a touch under thirty points per game. What is he twelfth all time in points in the regular season? So it's not like the guy couldn't score. He's the eighth greatest player over the last fifty years. We'll be right back with a very special end of the show. And by the way, I'm going to complain for a moment on some of the response to this before we get to number eight. Because so much of the, because we put out the, a graphic of the list. And I've got folks who otherwise should know better saying, you know, when there's a list like this, and they include guys that, you know, guys like Tiny Archibald or Elvin Hayes or Bernard King when they didn't see them. They're doing it based purely on the numbers. Okay, so a few <laughs> things here. First of all, if you could see the exhaustive research that has gone into this, and if you watch the videos, you, I think you get a little taste of it. You would know it's not purely by the numbers. Obviously, it's very numerically centric. That's first of all. Second of all, There's a thing, YouTube exists and the NBA archive exists and the ability to watch and the almost any major playoff moment of the last 50 years is at our fingertips. One of the reasons I cut it off of the last 50 years is because I, you don't really have access to watch the Celtics of the sixties, much less Bob Pettit and George Mikan in the fifties. There is no way to watch that. But lastly, (laughs) and I've never cursed in one of these 50 greatest player videos. But I think I'm going to do it right here. (laughs) By that logic, how the f*** does anyone write about the Civil War? Or about (laughs) Napoleon? Or about anything that you weren't alive for? How can anyone learn about anything they didn't see? Like, well, what was the Civil War about? Oh, what do you... I mean, you're gonna you're gonna teach me a class on it. Were you there? <laughs> Did you just watch Sherman? What about Tecumseh? Get the f- out of here, guys! If you dedicate yourself to something and you want to do the research and you want to become learned and you want to read the firsthand accounts of the people who were there, you can learn a lot about things. This is a shot at my dinosaur take. No, this is not a shot at your dinosaur take, buddy. <laughs> this is. It is, but it is, in fact, you know what? I'm going to do something before we get to the Akeem thing. Uh, and, it, you know, actually, this is what we're going to do here. This is, I am doing this right now, right before we get to the eighth grade player who's Akeem Olajuwon. However, this is going to just be clipped and be put on as the final segment of the show. <laughs> okay, so it's a little extra work for the producers, but they'll be able to do it. Demonze, do me a favor. Walk over there and grab those three blue books that all look like they're the exact same thing. Do you see them at the top? Because yeah. I want to. I have a bookshelf behind me here that I want to show you guys something. And then also, Demaze, hand me those and then grab the brown textbook in the corner. But hand, you can hand me, yeah, that one. Yes, hand me both of those, okay? So here's why I mentioned what I mentioned. Give me these three books. Okay, you can set that down. This is A Military History of the Western World, Volume 1. 
This is a military history of the Western world, volume two. And this is a military history of the Western world, volume three. So though this is from the earliest times to the Battle of Lepanto. This is from the defeat of the Spanish Armada to the Battle of Waterloo. And this is from the American Civil War to the end of World War II. Well, I guess everything in these two books might as well be thrown in the goddamn garbage because no, I mean, we're talking about thousands of years ago. Who could have read it? Who could have, who could teach anything about it? So let's just pick a page for a moment. I'm going to read you a little bit something from it. No, you're sticking with me. The rise and expansion of Islam. Uh, this is about the Roman emperors from 565 AD. So around 1500 years ago. So how do you think JFC Fuller figured this stuff out? He did the research. Same way. Those books got a lot of dust on them, by the no, way. No, I get angry about this stuff. How about this? The World's History by Howard Spadek. This is a book I bought. You guys are going to laugh at me. This is really revealing quite a bit about me. But because I'm super interested in history, I paid $145 for this book off a college's website bought from their bookstore. And just like was doing when I was living in LA by myself, when you and the kids, you, you are one of the kids, <laughs> but when you and your mom were in Houston, your yeah. senior year, and I was in LA by myself, I just started re like, the industrial oh, that's a freaking, that's an actual no, it's a textbook. classroom. Yeah, no. Judaism and Christianity. Yeah, it's a textbook. Because I'm interested in learning about stuff I wasn't around to see. And that applies to world history and this NBA list. Okay? All right. All right, thanks for checking out another special episode of What's Right with Nick Wright as the special edition of the 50 Greatest Players of the Last 50 Years. The countdown continues next week. We get to players seven and six. And player six, by definition, is not ahead of player five, which will cause maybe the biggest fight of anything thus far on this list. You'll understand when it comes out next week. Appreciate you watching and listening.